today we're talking with uh, William Meehan, who is the corresponding author of an Editor's Choice article that is slated to be published in the December 2014 issue of JMIS. The, the title of the article is Unruptured Intracranial Aneurysms Conservatively Followed with Serial CT Angiography. Could Morphology and Growth Predict Rupture? Will, uh, I really appreciate you talking to me today, and um, congratulations on such a wonderful piece of work. Do you think you could just summarize for me the design of the study and, and maybe briefly go over the results? We basically were interested in looking at all of the unruptured intracranial aneurysms that had been followed over time at our institution. And we had collected a, a large database of some 3,000 patients. So mm. what we did was we retrospectively reviewed our database of aneurysms and selected unruptured intracranial aneurysms that had been followed over at least a year's time with multiple serial CT angiography studies. And we cataloged certain features that other papers and authors had previously tied to increased risk of aneurysm ruptures. So we looked at maximum aneurysm diameter, interval growth between follow-up CTA studies, aneurysm location, multiplicity, and then morphological features of aneurysms such as unilobular versus multilobular, wall calcification, and luminal thrombus. And um, we ended up with a total of 152 patients with 180 aneurysms that met our inclusion criteria. And during the follow-up period, a total of six aneurysms in six different patients ruptured, which yielded an overall rupture rate of 3.3% and an annual rate of 0.97% per year. All of the aneurysms that ruptured were at least 9 millimeters in maximum diameter. And four of the six ruptured aneurysms grew during the follow-up period. And also four of the six ruptured aneurysms demonstrated multilobular morphology. We performed a logistic regression analysis, which determined that both interval growth and multilobulated morphology were significant predictors of subsequent aneurysm rupture during follow-up. Hmm. Okay. So uh, th this study is somewhat similar to, um, uh, there was a study published in Radiology uh, from UCLA. Can you um, go over some of the uh, differences between your study and, and the UCLA study? Sure, Rob. That, uh, that study, I'm familiar with that. That's the uh, study by uh, Villablanca, right. uh, Villablanca's group at UCLA. And in that study, the uh, specific outcome that they were measuring was growth as that related okay. to rupture. I don't believe they looked at any other CTA aneurysm features other than growth and how that predicted rupture. I also believe that they included fusiform aneurysms in their mm -hmm. uh, population, which we specifically excluded, as uh, other studies have done, like the International Study of Unruptured Intracranial Aneurysms, because these fusiform aneurysms have a different pathogenesis than saccular aneurysms and uh, may behave differently. So that, I think that that's a, a major difference between uh, our two studies. You mentioned the uh, Ishwa study. I, I noticed that the, the rupture rate uh, in your 
cohort of patients of 0.97% per year is somewhat higher than that found in ISHWA. Um, do you have any theories as to why that might be so? The first ISHWA study, the rupture rate was was roughly 0% for those aneurysms under 10 millimeters in patients without a history of subarachnoid hemorrhage. And in the group of aneurysm size greater than 10 millimeters, the rupture rate was actually 1% per year of uh, follow-up during a five-year period. So we're, our number of 0.97% is, is very close to the, the findings in the ISHUA study. Yeah, and also if I might add, there was the uh, the unruptured cerebral aneurysm study of Japan uh, published a couple mm-hmm. of years ago, and that they had a 0.95% uh, rupture rate per year of follow-up. So it seems to be pretty similar to those larger prospective studies. Well, well I stand corrected then. Uh, thank you. Um, yeah, sure. In reading the, the manuscript, I noticed I, I, one of the things I, I didn't quite uh, understand or get was uh, in, in the uh, materials and methods where, where some of the characteristics of the aneurysms were obtained from chart review and others uh, were obtained through sort of multi-observation uh, blinded review. Can you just tell me the rationale for doing that? Sure. Well, initially we planned on, on simply using the uh, reported measurements and aneurysm features from the uh, official CTA reports for our analysis. But in, in looking at some of the cases in, in the CTA reports, we noticed that there was uh, unreliable use of uh, morphologic descriptors for aneurysms. Okay. Not everyone described calcification. Not everyone described multilobulation. And also in terms of growth, growth wasn't always explicitly stated in the reports. And mm-hmm. uh, it was unclear whether the initial readers were making comparisons back to the earliest CTA study. Some of these patients may have had seven, eight, nine follow-up studies. So we felt that we had to do some form of uh, multiple uh, reviewer, blinded review of all the cases, which is where we got our, our data for morphology okay. and, and growth. Well, that makes sense. And so you did find that um, multilobulation uh, was a significant risk for rupture. I, I'm not sure if you recall whether any of the aneurysms that ruptured developed lobulations over time or, you know, or also whether the um, just the morphology of the uh, lobulations in the patients that ruptured, uh, you know, whether they were different at all from the aneurysms that didn't rupture. We had a total of four ruptured aneurysms with multilobulated morphology. And if I recall correctly, three of the four were multilobulated over the entire course of the CTA follow-up period and didn't develop new lobulations. There was one of the four multilobulated aneurysms that developed a new lobulation at the time of rupture. And that was seen only on the CTA obtained when the patient presented with rupture. So it's it's really difficult to speculate when that lobulation developed and how long it was present prior to rupture. And we didn't specifically look at differences in the morphology of ruptured and unruptured multilobulated aneurysms. But I, I think that would be very interesting to investigate and perhaps mm-hmm. a subject for a future research project. Okay. You know, in our institutions, one of the things we struggle with is choosing a appropriate 
time interval for follow-up for patients that were following uh, conservatively. Was there a specific regimen at Mass General you know, for follow-up intervals? No, we had the same problem at Mass General. Generally, patients were followed with CTA studies performed at approximately 12-month intervals, but that was really based on uh, the experience and preference of the neurosurgeons and neurointerventionalists, okay. which met at, at a cerebrovascular conference every Friday to make that determination. For the aneurysms that have been stable over a couple of years, the length of CTA follow-up uh, would be lengthened, say, out to 24 months between studies. But I think uh, all of us would agree that it would be really helpful to have some evidence-based guidelines for the follow-up of these aneurysms. Okay. And, and you had mentioned that all the ruptured aneurysms in your study uh, were larger than 9 millimeters in size. I, I noticed that there were uh, several aneurysm locations missing uh, in the rupture group, for example, um, I don't think there were any anterior communicating artery aneurysms. Um, you know, correct. at our place, I think just from uh, from the experience of the number of anterior communicating artery aneurysms that we see that are ruptured, you know, our, our feeling is that those aneurysms often, when we see them at the time of rupture, are often fairly small, usually between three and seven millimeters. I mean, were, were you guys seeing the same thing at Mass General? Yeah, that, that's correct. We didn't have any anterior communicating artery aneurysms that ruptured in the in the six cases that we observed. But I totally agree with your experience that that most ruptured aneurysms are in the ACOM distribution, and they're they're usually small. And I think that. That observation highlights the problem with most of these studies to date that have looked at unruptured intracranial aneurysms. As you mentioned before, based on the research of, of some authors now, there, there may be a higher risk of aneurysm rupture early on during aneurysm mm -hmm. formation when there's a period of rapid growth that leads to wall remodeling and weakness and ultimately rupture. And I think that studies like the Ishua and the Unruptured Cerebral Aneurysm Study of Japan and our own probably have a, a lead time bias in the sense that the unruptured intracranial aneurysms that are followed over a long period of time with multiple serial follow-up studies are inherently more stable and probably have mm -hmm. already passed through that initial period of higher risk of rupture and they've undergone some healing and are now stable. And of course, some of these uh, long-term stable aneurysms will eventually rupture, which is what we're seeing in these larger and multilobulated aneurysms. So mm -hmm. I think that we're probably excluding the small, rapidly growing aneurysms that rupture early on after formation, since these cases wouldn't have been followed by serial imaging. Yeah. That, that makes sense. What sort of future avenues uh, for research in this area do you see as far as you know, studies to better define aneurysm rupture risk? Well, Rob, I, th I think that we're going to continue to see uh, larger multi-center studies uh, being performed that could generate some objective predictors of, of uh, unruptured intracranial aneurysm for uh, better risk stratification. I also think that some uh, newer methods of studying aneurysms, such as through computational fluid dynamics, will improve mm -hmm. our understanding of aneurysms and may allow for specific predictive models of risk of rupture for different morphologic phenotypes of aneurysms. 
there's some uh, interesting information from from computational fluid dynamics about the roles of abnormal hemodynamics as they relate to formation, growth, and rupture of aneurysms. And uh, there, I've seen some data that shows that small, thin-walled blister bleb aneurysms behave differently than these large, thick-walled atherosclerotic aneurysms. So in the future, I think that we'll move away from this concept that larger aneurysms are the ones at risk of rupture. That may be true for these stable aneurysms that have been present for a long time. But again, I think that we'll come up with uh, better predictors of, of patients that are prone to these rapidly growing uh, aneurysms that rupture early on. Okay. You've moved institutions. Are, are the um, folks at Tufts aware of, of your study? And if so, has it changed practice pattern at all at Tufts, or have you noticed any change? Uh, Rob, I haven't noticed any any change yet. I know in my own practice that when I when I see these CTAs with aneurysms that are multilobular or have grown, I, I definitely mention that in my impression to call attention to that because I, I mm -hmm. do believe that those are significant uh, risk factors for rupture. Well, that makes sense. Well, Will, uh, thanks so much for talking to me today. Do, do you have anything more that you wanted to add? Uh, no, Rob, it was great talking with you, too, and I, I appreciate you uh, selecting me to, uh, to do this podcast.